I wanted you to have those, that, that gospel part at the end of the first section before we entered into the second section of chapter 8. Um, so I want to read this part to you. And it's kind of quirky sounding. It's like real kind of, it's a little strange, but I love it. But I want you to have that ringing in your ears that our Lord Jesus became poor so that we might become rich in him. And in this matter, I give my judgment, Paul writes to the Corinthians. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish, it, do, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. But I don't mean that others should be eased and you be burdened, but this is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance, assuming one day, would supply your deed, need, and that would be fairness. As it is written, whoever has gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So may God bless the reading and preaching of his word. Um, have you ever, any of you struggled with sharing or giving? Whether you're like trying to figure out what if it was coming from the right place, or it was the right amount, or about the right things, wondering if you have enough to give? Have you ever had a plan to give in certain ways, but just didn't happen for some reason? Or you feel that quirky pressure that, you know, I gotta give to this, even though I don't really like it, or what would people say if I don't? Or there's, you know, the compulsion kind of side of giving. If any of these are true for you, this is a perfect passage. It's universal. Remember what the context is. The Jerusalem, Jerusalem's been through famines, and so the church is really suffering. Paul forms a capital campaign among all the non-Jerusalem churches um, as a relief effort for them. And Paul celebrates one set of churches in this place called Macedonia, and they were very poor. They actually gave, you know, one of their slices of pizza to Jerusalem. Now, now Paul is reminding a much wealthier set of churches in Corinth about what they had already pledged to give towards this relief effort. Now, this is why I love the Bible, because it is, you know, absolutely vast, unfathomably rich in the depths and breadths of what it talks about, philosophical, theological, the very foundations of the cosmos. And sometimes it just talks real practical about real simple things, real maybe difficult things, but things that are happening in a day and an age. And in this place, it's just Paul telling him, you know, you got to get your money right. Oh, 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 oh. Nobody got the Kanye? I won't sing it. <laughs> Paul is very particularly talking about a capital campaign. But he wants them to be a certain type of people doing this giving. 
and to recognize something beautiful about the kingdom and who Jesus is and what, he's, what Jesus has done to make us such generous people. So don't forget, as we enter into like who or the types of people he's trying to help the Corinthians be, miss the fact of the whole point of the praise part of this passage, the whole point of the sermon last week, was that grace generates our giving. And it puts us into a posture that we can use our heads, we can use our hands, and use our hearts in a way that would glorify him and bring great joy to us and others. It is a matter of getting your grace getting your heads in the game. In this matter, I give you my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started this work. And then he says, you need to think about this. Your, 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 your abundance at the present time should supply their need. Consider this. Grace generates uh, generosity, but it does so in a, in a very deliberate, in a deliberative way. You see this over and over and again in scriptures, you know. We'll talk about this more in a couple weeks, but tithes, there were several tithes in the scriptures. They had to be planned for, and offerings were given above and beyond that, but they were thought through and planned. We often try to think that, well, the most genuine kind of giving is when it's spontaneous experience of grace and gratitude, and then you just give it away. I did this one time. Um, uh, I just got new Christmas gloves. I was walking around D.C. with my mom, um, and don't know if the guy was homeless or not, but I walked by, and his hands look freezing. So I just gave him my gloves. And my mom knew at the time that I was brokered the Ten Commandments. And she said, what are you going to do now that you don't have those gloves? And I said, I didn't think all the way through that. It's okay. And yes, because my mom is also great. So she bought me a new pair of gloves, which is really great. But it's okay. But it's not just that spontaneous kind of stuff, which is all good. The, the widow carried, carried all that she had to live on, her might, walked to the temple, stood in line, and gave it. When Zacchaeus, who defrauded all his um, people he taxed, he gave back four times the amount. And that man worked for the IRS. He knew what he was doing. He knew money. Biblical tithes, biblical offerings, our giving as human beings, is, it's okay. We should be planned and prepared for it. So that's why our head's got to be in the game. So pray about it. Plan over it. Yes, count your blessings. Let that gratitude generate in you, and then count your giving. And you'll find yourself celebratory of it. Grace generates generosity, but often it needs a calculator. Not calculated, calculating, but just deliberate, thoughtful, sacrificial giving born of gratitude because of God's incredible grace to us. Now, a warning or two, using your head doesn't mean you're in control of all the outcomes of your giving. You're just not. Once you give your money away, it's not yours anymore. <laughs> I got the amen section right here. I got it. But do get your head in the game. I don't carry cash mostly because I'm bad with cash. I spend cash because it's fake money. Yeah, I got some, yes. It's not real, you know, it doesn't feel real. So I have all sorts of ridiculous things with that. So I also never give cash to someone who's asking for money because I figure as bad as I am with this, they're not gonna be much better. But I always offer to give food or get gas in a car or something like that. So I'm 
trying to think through it, getting my head in the game. What's the best way to care for someone? I have a friend in Charlotte uh, whose son's passed. She was amazing at giving. She, she used to give $5 gift cards to Showmars downtown in Charlotte. You know what Showmars is? That's when $5 could actually buy you a sandwich. But she would do that and put a little note on them. She had them stacked in her purse. Anybody who needed or asked for anything, she'd just give them a $5 card to Showmars. Amazing. Just deliberate preparing. It's wonderful. This actually illustrates the second part, which is it has to move from your head into your hands and your hands giving at some point. Uh, so he says, you know, like, this is just such an awkward pastoral letter. So, guys, I need you to pay up is basically what he's saying. You know, you got to hand over the cash at some point for this relief fund. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out from what you have. Again, the premise here is very much a pastoral letter. He's very kind in this. He's actually sending uh, Titus to come and talk with them about it, see if they need to repair anything that's going on. But it's just so practical. And I have an embarrassing admission for you. All the best intentions without the actual giving is, is kind of a problem. About three years ago, I forgot to give to the church for about eight months. I like that look. What? What happened, see what happened was, <laughs> we'd always given out of our main account. We moved, uh, uh, we were giving a lot to a lot of different things, including Amanda's brother, who was uh, not yet with cancer, but then moving in here, taking care of his kids, and just doing all sorts of buying furniture, everything we were doing, car repairs, all that other stuff, we had put it into a different account, kind of come from another savings account. And I made, and I would watch that thing go down. I was like, well, I guess we're giving. Yeah, I never checked to see that actually it was automatically coming out into the church. While I was really good at stopping the fact that in the other account that that wasn't going to be done. So when the year-end giving statement came in, I had some what you would call uh, sticker shock, but not in the good way. Like, oh my gosh, what have we done? I called our bookkeeper at the time, was like, uh, you, something's wrong, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, there was something wrong. The head bone was disconnected from the hand bone. It wasn't intentional, and we did rectify the situation, it took a couple months. I just didn't, it wasn't connected, it wasn't seeing it through. That's the difference between having your head in the game, but not your hand on the wheel. That's it. Corinthians had head plans, but their hands weren't activated. So the simple thing is, friends, whether you make a mistake like I did, or hedging a bit like the Corinthians, or just too much in your head about the idea of giving, it has to be activated in the hands, your hands on the wheel as well. Which brings to the other, the more important thing in my mind in this passage and in the scriptures is not just the head or the hand, but you guessed it, the heart. The grace and the, the, the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how he's provided for us, that grace that comes from him emblazons our hearts to be generous and be glad to give. He locates this in the desire. He tells them, you've had the desire to do this. Your heart has been emblazoned at some point. Paul is celebrating that they had this instinct. And the economy of the kingdom of God always launches from this heart of, of, of gratitude 
It launches, that gratitude launches into generosity. A heart of gratitude for all that God has done for us. Everything we have. Every little bit of it. Even when it's just a little bit. It's at the heart of the king. And so far, therefore, a heart of the, uh, of the kingdom. It's good news. He says, you know, out of the abundance at the present time, you should supply their need. So that, like, in the economy of, of, of the kingdom, that, that when you're in a, a tough straits, then, then they'll supply your need. All, as the word is, fairness. It's amazing to think about what we have as, 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 as this gift from God. It's like... Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing gift, this amazing good job, this amazing inheritance, whatever it is. Help me give it away well. Help me figure out how to do that. Let me get in this kind of kingdom dynamic of generosity. If you pay off your house quicker, awesome. That's wonderful. Now get your head on a swivel and your heart emblazoned with the good news of Jesus and say, how can I spend the extra well? I had a friend who was going through a hard time, a really hard time, and a really close friend. He was scraping by financially for he and his family. And he was getting to the end of the month, and he had all, it was during the, the downturn in the economy and construction back in the 90s, and nobody was building anything back then. But he had enough jobs to pay his bills that month. And he had a couple more days left. And you know what he prayed for? Lord, let me have one more job so that I can give. He prayed for his tithe amazing. That's what he did. And the Lord answered his prayer. That's the heart we're trying to cultivate in these ways. And it's complicated, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's uncomfortable to have conversations about. I don't want to preach on it. Yes. But that's why we have our resident expert in all things, also known as listener number one, Scott Greider, who's going to give us a little testimony about his story about giving and, and uh, how he's worked through some of it. Yeah, I told this story to Giorgio uh, a couple years ago in the hopes that he would say, come and share your weaknesses with the congregation. <laughs> so that worked out. Um, yeah, I grew up in the church. Offering baskets were passed. Um, it's just the way things happened. It wasn't until uh, we came to Redeemer 30-some years ago that um, I got... The offering was presented as a way of um, corporate worship. You know, giving is giving back and is worship. And uh, my wife, Christine, and I had always believed that, you know, we should give a tithe of everything we make, and above that would be offering. Um, but, but that was often very difficult to do, and it didn't happen a lot of years. Um, some of it was just, you know, Unemployment and underemployment at times, uh, four kids, some of it just bad planning um, and not um, being aware. I remember being at the end of years and looking at what I gave versus what I made and thinking it was going to be around 10% and it was not even close. So um, anyway, still we, we gave uh, when the offering baskets were passed. and. It, we made a lot of mistakes when we weren't giving, and there was grace for that. You know, uh, a lot of prayer and pain. Some of it was tough, but we always, I really believe that there's a lot of grace for our failings. Um, 
When online giving started, I did not do that initially because we liked the, uh, the act of giving uh, in the offering plate. And then COVID hit and we needed to go online. So somewhere along the line, I was doing initially, I would do it during the worship service online. And then somewhere along the way, I started giving the, the morning after the income hit our bank account. Everything was direct deposited. Because Christine had like three jobs and I had a, several different uh, means of income and we had some side gigs going on. So it was sometimes it was just a math problem <laughs> to, to remember how much I made. So I would just pay it as it came in. And what that did to my heart was kind of started to recognize that as giving back the first fruits. Before I spent any of that money on anything, I thought about what that was, how I was blessed by this amount of money, be it $100 or, or more, and I was giving back for that. So that was um, kind of how a practical means of giving turned into, for us, um, you know, um, a blessing to give. And that's, that's um, you know, kind of my, my story. So, um, you know, and the other lesson to take out of this is just be careful what you tell Giorgio. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Um, Scott has been a deacon for a long time, and uh, that is the character of your deacons. Praise be to God. Grace transforms the head, the hand, and the heart. You did not hear Scott say, this is the way you're supposed to do it. He's saying, this is how it's worked, as I engage my head and my hand and my heart. He's not giving you a strategy. He's giving you a testimony and encouragement. There is deeper magic here still. It's tied to how radically beautiful God's vision is for our life together. That we would share burdens with one another. That we would share our resources with our neighbors. It's the gospel good life, freed from um, the self-serving notions that money often brings us. It's in, in embracing the unmerited mercy of Jesus that it changes us into something amazing. And I told you this, that for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, in, in verse 9, that though he was rich, he became poor for us, so that in his poverty we might become rich. It's the same transfer of sin of righteousness and unrighteousness. He became unrighteousness so that we might be righteous. He became impoverished so that we might become rich. It's the trade. And then he ends it in this last bit in verse 15. He says, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, as it is written, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Y'all, that's straight up Exodus language right there. That's a quotation, a quote out of the manna in the desert and the gathering of, of the food that God provided. What he's saying is, look, God's got you. He's got you in plenty and in want. I'm going to feed you. I've got what you need. And I'm going to give it to you. And you have no doubt who gave it to you. you. You don't need to doubt it because I love you. I'm for you. I want your prospering. And I want your sacrificial giving to others. 
Because it's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of me, the Lord Jesus. And he's so kind in how he does this. He doesn't beat him over the head with it. He doesn't say, say, why don't you just be like the widow and the widow's might, giving all that you have. He knows that the Corinthian church is struggling, even with plenty, is struggling to figure that out. So he gently says, look, I'm not trying to do a whole lot here. I'm just, I'm not saying you have to give everything and sell it all. Our Lord said that to a couple people, but you know, that's not what I'm doing here. I just want you to take the next steps. I want you to just move forward a little bit because there's grace for you. And this is the way I want to come to you in the same way. When we have, we give. When we don't, we receive. That means if you're suffering financially or in other ways right now with you or your family, please contact the deacons. They have prepared for this. They have readied themselves with the blessing of this church to be able to give. And if you're struggling like the Corinthians, where you're hedging your bets on it and you're feeling insecure about not having as much, it's okay too. Paul doesn't drop the hammer on them. He guides them into kind next steps. I mean, they, those guys talked about, Jesus and Paul talked about money a whole lot more than I'm comfortable with. But they were actually trying to free people because Jesus tells us mammon is a cruel God. Money is a cruel God. Super helpful, but it will wear you out. And he's come to liberate us from these things. When you're worried about having too little, and when you're not worried enough about having too much, it's okay. We all understand this. And if you're feeling some weird pressure, or, or, or you messed up, or you've dug yourself into deep, too deep of a hole, it's okay. We can work this through together in love, because this is our Lord. It's okay. It is our kind, liberating God who liberates us from the God of mammon. Reach out to friends. Learn together. Don't suffer under the reign of money. You can be free. It's a more beautiful vision. Emboldened by gratitude. Hearts afire by his grace. He is the one who spent himself on us. And we're free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your kindness and your love. We pray that you would Help us lean into, lean into these kinds of things. It's so scary. It's so scary. But help us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.